right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Animation Broadcast and Cinema. It's the Album Book Club's uh, movie podcast that we have been uh, just started up, and this is our second episode. And uh, we wanted to start off the week, uh, the week's episode, by talking about Shang-Chi and the fantastic box office uh, that they did. They did uh, $136 million for all of Labor Day weekend, which is a longer weekend. So because of that extra day, it was able to pass Black Widow. But like that straight-up opening day slot, I think Black Widow edged it out by like 5 mil. Hmm. Um, and it also covered the largest box office for any Labor Day release ever. Yeah, that is I super think. impressive. Yeah, I mean, which is huge for movies right now. Um, I mean, are, are movies officially back, or is this just a, a Marvel movie? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I feel like the since this movie, the reception was so great, I feel like that's what drove a lot of people in. And also, I think because it was a movie starring mostly minorities, I think that also had a big grab towards it as well, because also the same thing happened with Black Panther. That had a huge box office opening weekend. So I definitely think that had something to do with it. Um, but overall, I think it was just a, a great movie. I haven't seen it yet, but that's what all the reception is saying, and I think that's what drove most people to the theater. Um, I did see it over the weekend. I got to see it on Sunday, and it blew me away. I mean, people have said it's some of the best action in Marvel, and it, it really is. It was fantastic. Um, I'm excited to see it. I also just, and if you wanted to like look at some of the... Um, you know it's 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 like a marvel kung fu movie pretty much and so like if you want to see some of the movies that inspired it if you have seen it recently uh that i would personally recommend enter the dragon is a really great one that um is a bruce lee movie i've and not then, seen that oh man god it's so good uh one that <laughs> is not a kung fu movie but definitely inspired it you can tell this even if you've seen the trailer but uh speed that keanu reeves movie mm. Uh, definitely some inspiration be- between that uh, and the bus scene that happens. Uh, Battle Royale is another great one, another old kung fu movie. And then uh, The 36th Chamber of Shaolin. I actually just watched that the other day because uh, it was somebody recommended it to me based off Shang-Chi, and it blew me away. Nice. It was so good. Yeah, I've only seen Speed out of those ones that you just listed. Speed's a fantastic movie. Keanu Reeves is never wrong. <laughs> he really um, isn't. No. But yeah, but, that's great so, for Shang-Chi. Oh, it's fantastic. I can't recommend that movie enough. Um, but now a lot of stuff is... This movie might have changed a lot of things um, just because of how successful it was. Uh, definitely the most successful release we've seen since... I mean, it did more than Tenet, didn't it, don't you think? What was Tenet opening at? Opening, I think Tenet actually opened, was it last year on Labor Day? I feel like it was around this time. I think Tenet was August. Um, I'm going to look it up quickly, let's see. But the main question that was, has been, I've been thinking about since I saw Shang-Chi and the box office numbers is, does this mean that Marvel and streaming services as a whole might go back to putting movies just in theaters or i think with shang chi it's a 45 day movie theater run and then it's out on streaming so is that the new model like i would be 
totally fine with that if we get give these movies their time to shine in theaters. Yeah, yeah, I think they're going to keep doing this exclusive window, which I think sh- it should be originally. But yeah, because Oh, actually Tenet did come out September 3rd, which is the week before Labor Day, I think. Oh. So kind of the same. Yeah. Which is interesting. But yeah, I, I do think they're going to do this exclusive window now that they see um, Shang-Chi did so well. And I also think um, there's rumors about like Spider-Man and maybe Eternals getting delayed even further because of the box office results. And now that I think that Shang-Chi is doing so well, they're probably going to stick to these dates that they have right now for these movies. Yeah, I mean, they have to. Venom even moved up, which was crazy. Oh, because they got delayed and then they moved back, right? They got del- They were supposed to be September and then pushed back to October 15th. And then Mission Impossible and Top Gun got delayed to 2022. So there was word around Sony that, it was, that Venom was going back to 2022. And then Shang-Chi comes out and crushes. And Venom says, all right, we're going to October 1st. Yeah, to get more confident, I guess. Yeah, and I will be there on October 1st to see that movie. Um, I cannot wait. But yeah, so I hopefully, hope I hope Shang-Chi oh, yeah. um, makes other uh, companies and movies be more confident in their release dates moving forward. So there's no more right. delays. Which um, I think for that to happen, we would need to see a more successful run you know, post-opening weekend, too, like, if these numbers, obviously they're going to drop, but if they can continue on uh, some sort of positive pace, you know, we're not going to have another, we, we might not have another $100 million weekend, but if it's 80 mil this week and stays at the top of the box office for two weeks, then fantastic. Yeah, I think Shang-Chi has a, a lot going for it. One, obviously, is that the critical reception has been great, and I think that's been mm-hmm. getting a lot of people to the theaters. And also, this movie stars a lot majority minorities which i think also is a big catch as black panther kind of did the same thing with box office um so i this might be a one case scenario it's also an origin story and i feel like a lot of people like origin stories more than a sequel like black widow for example or prequel um so we'll see moving forward um yeah i i also feel like I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because I feel like origin stories. A lot of time, people like are kind of sick of the whole thing. But this origin story was really well done, um, and the performances are great. Aquafina was actually not terrible. She can sometimes be really loud, kind of annoy me, but she was really good. In this she was fantastic in the farewell. I have not seen that. The last movie I saw her in was Crazy Rich Asians, which I like that movie, but she was. That was kind of a loud, obnoxious thing she was doing in that one. Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians also had great box office performance as well. It did. Um, It was, uh, yeah. So I wonder if it's just like the minority population, like maybe mostly Asians that are coming to the theater just to see this movie, and that's what's bringing up box office. Um, I don't know about that because I mean I don't know. I'm from a. I live in Georgia. It wasn't. I I was in a pretty crowded theater actually. and it but it wasn't a minority turnout, but um, I don't know. I, I know that that always helps. You know, people enjoy seeing people who look like them on the screen. We that was that's right proven. Yeah, and it's always a good thing. Oh yeah, totally. Um, 
But uh, obviously, Simu Lee—I can't never pronounce his name. Simu Lao, I think. Liu uh, was that? fantastic. The Shang Chi. Oh, okay. He's the guy who plays Shang Chi. Was fantastic. Tony Wai Ling, uh, his the guy who plays his dad. Uh, I think that was his first American movie. He oh, was wow. fantastic. Um, Michelle Yeoh was great. Uh, ben Kingsley makes an appearance. He was awesome. He's third. He's fourth build in this movie. Ben Kingsley. Um, yeah. He's not reprising his Iron Man role, is he? Oh yeah. He is. They're not. Yeah. It's oh, about damn. the the real Ten Rings. You think the real Mandarin's gonna let that slide? Oh, true. Yeah. It was. He was great in it. It's. Uh, it's funny in the right spots it needs to be. It's serious in others. Um, the action's fantastic. There was the... I think the movie was like mostly worked on, I think, a lot during the quarantine and some of the Marvel stuff they've put out. Like There's been really wonky CGI, but this one looked really good That's great. for the most part, which there was some huge uh, set pieces that you know I think other studios could have flubbed but um they looked fantastic yeah i remember loki the marvel show also yeah. shot during covid and the action scenes were not good in that wandavision always that it has some stuff that doesn't really look great and I, I was wondering if that was because of covid or they just had a bad choreography or just something was up but like the action was not great in those shows i think it's just it was harder to get stuff done and they could like you couldn't have te- as big a teams in the same spots you know so like yeah it must have been you know, COVID. If, you're, if you're sending files around all the time it's going to be harder because it's definitely not budget stuff because marvel will throw as much money at anything right yeah that makes sense um so i wonder like though if this makes like eight because hbo max is partnered with warner brothers i wonder if that this makes them like rethink their model that instead of premiering both on the same day, if they do in theater first and then pull it back uh, onto streaming later. Yeah, I don't think they're going to change anything that they've already announced. So I think like to the end of this year, right. that's what they've announced so far. Um, but I think moving forward, yeah, I think they're, they're definitely going to reconsider. I mean... This worked so well for Disney, and I'm sure once it goes on Disney+, Plus, it's going to get great streaming numbers as well for all the people who just won't go to the theater. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, and so another thing I've been thinking about, HBO Max really has been killing it. Not all the movies they've put out are great, um, but I think they've been the best streaming service throughout this pandemic, not only because of their selection, but they've put out interesting stuff. It's not all 10 out of 10s, obviously. Mortal Kombat was terrible. Um, what else was terrible? I mean, Godzilla vs. Kong isn't good, but it was super fun. I love that movie. That Oh, I love it too. But it's not like a good, you know what I mean. It's not a good movie, but I will watch the. I watched it like three times in one day because I had friends in three different houses watching it. And I was <laughs> just walking around the neighborhood, just stopping in people's houses. That's impressive, like, watching this, the same movie three times in one day. Well, I'd be walking by somebody's house. Well, I watched it in my house with one of my friends and then walked up to my friend's house because he was like, oh, we're halfway through it. And I was like, oh, I'll watch the back half. That's a great part. And then I walked back to my house and one of my roommates was watching it and it was like the last third of the movie. And I was like, all right, I can do this one more time. <laughs> That's awesome. It was a really fun night. Um, but, I mean, I, I wonder if people – if they stop doing these same day premieres and change it, do
do the subscription numbers drop? Because their subscription numbers have been flying through the roof because of these same-day premieres. Has it still been rising, like, even now? Do you know? Yeah, it has been, and I think it's only going to keep going up because, I mean, they have Dune coming out and a couple other pretty big ones. That's interesting. I would have thought that with these streaming services, especially like when COVID started, everyone kind of would have bought their subscription then or like when a previous big movie came out instead of like now. Like I feel like now is like later. Like why would you, why would you get a streaming service like now? Like what's coming out, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. They've been killing it. Um, yeah, that's good for them. So maybe they won't stop. Yeah. I mean, if the numbers are keep being as consistent as they are, then I don't see a reason why they would stop, you know? Um, and I think like people, I think the reason that they've been, uh, going up is because people are subscribing for stuff that interests them, you know, like, oh, I might not want to subscribe just for this, um, for, for Godzilla versus Kong, but I will wait for Dune, you know? I wonder if people are buying subscription for like one month. And then canceling it, and then waiting for another movie they want to see and buying it then. Maybe I mean that's six ninety. It's like what is it? Fifth, probably twelve dollars if I had to guess. I don't remember. Yeah, so exactly. you're paying twelve bucks to like watch one movie and then cancel. But I mean, they have a lot of great movies coming out. They've got Malignant, which is coming uh, on Friday. We're recording this on Wednesday, September eighth. So that movie's coming out on the tenth. That's the new James Wan horror movie. Right. And then next week they have Cry Macho, the new Clint Eastwood movie. Mm. Um, the Many Saints of Newark, Dune, King Richard, the uh, Will Smith movie. I mean, that's going to, it's Will Smith. That's going to pull in people. Yeah. Matrix 4 is coming December 22nd. Um, we'll, we'll cover that in a different one because I could do a whole lot on Matrix stuff. But. I mean, they've got a great slate, and I left stuff off there. I just left on the big picket, ticket stuff. But, like, every month it's two movies that are huge. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if the numbers are staying the same for them, I don't see a reason why they would go change it and go exclusive for, like, 45 days and then streaming if their numbers are so good. But, I mean, I don't know, because Disney also made a shit ton of money with Shang-Chi just from being exclusive. So, mm-hmm. And also... What I'm going to be interested to see is how the actors react to this. Because, I mean, they're not going to want these deals forever. If they're getting box office cuts, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to depend on the inside deals that they're getting, too. Like, if they're getting money from the streaming as well. So that was the whole Scarlett Johansson deal. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, Yeah, movies in 2021, I'm last night in soho did we hit that last time a new trailer dropped for that today i did not watch it because i want to be surprised by that movie yeah i saw a tweet that edgar wright posted who's the director and uh he mm-hmm. said that try to not watch anything like i think he was like even demoting his own trailer he's like don't watch it just like try to go in as blind as possible because there's a lot of twists and turns and you'll be surprised at like every minute is that what that tweet really said i saw it and it just he said new trailer and i just scrolled I don't think it was the tweet from the trailer, but it was like a tweet like a few days ago when it premiered at like Venice Film Fest, I think. And that's when like people started to talk about it. He's like, please, like, don't spoil anything. If you've seen it, try not to watch anything and just go in blind, which is great. That's the way it should be. I mean, yeah, especially with trailers now. um, You know, they show a lot 
of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know me, I, I try not to watch any trailer because it's just right. such a better experience going in blind. But, but I mean, you had you, you, you got to have a trailer Spider-Man though. One. Oh, the yeah. Spider-Man was my one exception. I could not get away from that one. It was everywhere. It's it was fantastic. Yeah, no, that was an awesome uh, trailer. I'm trying to think of what other upcoming movies we might not have hit last week. Um, is that Escape from Spiderhead movie come out on Netflix yet? I'm so ridiculously excited for that. I have not heard about that. What's that? Escape from Spiderhead is a uh, it's a Netflix original. Hang on, I gotta pull out. All right, so it's directed by Joseph Kosinski, and it sounds freaking ridiculous. It's two convicts that live in a near future society, and it's like, they, they, not even a lot of plot details have been released, but it's Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, uh, and it's two convicts living in a near future society grapple with their past while trapped in a facility that conducts experiments on prisoners using emotional emotion altering drugs. Mm. And it's it lo- it's a sh- based on a short story by George Saunders. It's going it's straight to Netflix. Weird, I think so. Nice. Well, it's two two solid actors. And uh, Escape from Spiderhead is Joseph Kosinski is the guy who did uh, Top Gun Maverick. So this right. is like the little taste before you know the the real the big movie that he's putting out. Yeah, yeah, sounds interesting. I'll probably check it out. Yeah, I'm pumped. Chris Hemsworth Netflix movies surprisingly solid. What else has he been? Oh, that movie uh, Extraction was that him? It, Oh my god, Extraction, yeah. Awesome. I did not see that. Oh my lord. It's so dumb. <laughs> so much fun. It's a classic action movie. Oh yeah, he kills it. Yeah, I'll have to check it out eventually. It's the action and it's ridiculous. Um That card the card counter new Oscar Isaac movie. Oh yeah, I'm excited for that. Paul Schrader looks great. Uh, we hit House of Gucci. Um, I mentioned many. Oh, The Guilty, that Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Oh yeah, Netflix. I'm excited just to watch Jake Gyllenhaal again. I feel like he's not been in any movies recently. It's been a minute. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal is one of my favorite actors. He's so good. He's always and like this is definitely something that he can just carry. Like him just being like he always goes 110 percent on every movie. Oh yeah, um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. We I know we didn't mention that one. I always love a good Ghostbusters. I mean, yeah, check it out. It's Paul Rudd, man. I love Paul Rudd. I'll watch the King's Man. I saw the trailer for that uh, in theaters. Did you see uh, the poster for that movie? No. What is it? Uh, just look up the King's Man poster. It'll probably pop up. It's one of the worst posters I've ever seen. It's the Photoshop job is so bad. It's ridiculous. It's just a bunch, it's like a white background and it's just like characters and they're just cropped out like so poorly. It just looks so bad. With, is it the one with Ray Fiennes at the end? I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look great. Um, it looks like like an intern did it. Yeah, I could have made that. Um, <laughs> exactly. All right, you got any uh, upcoming movie news stuff you want to hit? I think I've hit all my points. Um, no, I'm just, uh, I haven't been to the theaters in a while. I've been pretty busy with my work life, but I'm excited to get back to it. All right. Sounds great. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And afterwards, we are going to get back with a discussion on our movie of the week, Uncut Gems.
Thank you. Hey everybody, it's Bo here to tell you about our sponsor, Album Book Club. It is a book club, but, you know, for albums. And uh, they have weekly picks that they put out on their Twitter, at Album Book Club 1. And they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week. Uh, it can range from hip-hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop. It's all over the place. Uh, it's a great way to discover new music. I've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, they have great merch over there. It's all great looking stuff. Um, definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. And welcome back. Uh, Jacob, I'm just going to start this off with a quick question. Big sports right. better? You ever sports bet? Uh, occasionally. Yeah, I've, uh, I've dabbled. Um, you think you think it's as stressful as what's going on in Uncut Gems? I mean, sometimes watching those games towards the final minutes gets pretty stressful, man. You ever got uh, three guys in the little jail booth of your <laughs> of your? <laughs> Jewelry yeah, I've store. never locked uh, three people in a <laughs> in a jail booth while I wait for my bet to come in. All right. Um, so if you haven't watched it, uh, we're talking we're talking about Uncut Gems, which was the movie of the week. And if you haven't watched it, I don't know why you would be listening this far into the podcast because we are probably gonna spoil everything because that's how you talk about movies. Um, the movie is about sports betting, and Jacob's gonna go a little bit more into that. Uh, do you want to start us off with who made it? And what it's about. Yeah, so Uncut Gems is by Benny and Josh Safty, otherwise known as the Safty Brothers, who their previous movie uh, was Good Time, and they also made a couple of movies before that. Um, but Uncut Gems is about a man with his debts mounting, and angry collectors are closing in, and a fast-talking New York City jeweler risks everything in hopes to stay afloat and alive. Uh, this movie stars Adam Sandler as Howard, um, and it also has Adina Menzel, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, The Weeknd, which is crazy, um, <laughs> Kevin Garnett, which is also crazy, um, and then newcomer Julia Fox as well, who was also great in the movie. Um, uh, and yeah, what do you think? Well, here's I'm just going to, even though I don't really like Rotten Tomatoes, and I'll say that over and over again. The critics, the certified fresh tomato meter, you know, uh, what it was certified fresh, it was 91%. Now, the audience score for this was 52%. And that tracks. This is, I put this uh, on my Snapchat when it won, and I got a lot of responses. And it was half, oh man, I love this movie. I can't wait. Or, how could y'all do this? Like, literally, I had somebody be like, I can't believe you're doing this movie. Wow. I hate it. Some active haters out there. He was like, this is one of the worst excuses for a movie I've ever seen. Wow. Like, Whoa. Which I Aggressive. totally understand. 
um, the reception of this is to is all over the place. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a polarizing movie. There's nothing like it. Uh, what do you think? Let's get your what's your opinion on it? Yeah, so this is my third or maybe fourth time watching this movie. I fucking mm -hmm. love this movie. I think it's a damn near masterpiece in every single aspect. Uh, it does like such an incredible job of creating such like an, an anxiety inducing environment and like building up tension without it feeling like too heavy handed. Um, it perfectly portrays the, the feeling of addiction, in this case, sports betting or gambling. Mm -hmm. uh, and Adam Sandler just gives one of the best performances of his career by far. Um, the other ones being like Punch Drunk Love and like the Meyerowitz stories, which was other serious roles. But this one, he just takes it to a whole nother level, I think. And it's also surprisingly really funny. Like, there are so many great one-liners just sprinkled in throughout. Um, but yeah, the cinematography, the sound design, which is incredible, the score. I just think this movie is so well done. But I also totally understand why people hate it, because it's, it's very anxiety-inducing, especially for the audience. So everything you just listed are, like, the main reasons people hate it. People especially hate the score of this movie. Really? And how loud it is. Interesting. But that's... But that's also the point. So the movie does do its job, but I think it's like I've talked to people that say like this movie is trying too hard to be like a movie, you know, like trying too hard to be like an Oscar movie. Like, oh, we're going to make you feel anxious because we can, you know, and like we're smarter than you. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't think it was heavy handed at all. I thought it was all very deliberate towards the story. Um, I mean, I it's. I definitely, I texted you about this because I watched it again earlier today for the show, and I mean, I said it was a tough watch, which I meant not as it's hard to get through. I meant it's just it's just hard, you know, like because you want to look away but you can't, and like nothing in this movie can be simple ever. Yeah, you and, definitely hate the main character. Oh my god, it's. You like when he, Howard makes a lot of bad decisions, and it, yeah, it definitely gets hard to watch at times. When he goes to the pawn shop to loan KG's ring out and <laughs> to borrow $25,000, it has me ripping out my hair like, just what are you doing? This is Kevin Garnett's ring. He will kill you. Yeah. I mean, that's also why it's so good. I totally get why people like hate that, but like... Oh, it's such a good performance because you're you're hating him so much. You're getting that feeling out, which is incredible. Um, I also think this this movie is very polarizing because it's also very claustrophobic in the way it's shot. Like it's super tightly shot. The camera's always moving, and also right. I think the the sound design is unreal. It's just so many. There's like five conversations going on at once. It's like a it's like a concert of just like random sounds just pump in there. Um, right, and it's hard to like keep track of like who's talking almost. So because of that, too, a lot of people think it's super messy, and I don't think it's if it's always realized that that's intentional. Like, you're supposed to hear a really loud score and then also five people yelling at each other and all talking at the same time, and it's almost like they're yelling not only over each other but the score, and it's like – it's this one – it's building and building and building and building until finally you get to the end and the Celtics win, and you're like, oh, my God, holy shit, he just won – one million eighteen thousand hundred eighteen thousand or whatever it is that's like a release almost and it's a release and then it's got good you feel a release for two seconds and then he's shot in the head and then people just hated it for like that my i've seen it called the worst ending ever 
Wow. So somebody said it was somebody said it was lazy. And I was like, wouldn't it be more lazy for him to just be like, all right, we're all good now? Yeah, I think when you when you watch this movie, I guess like even a second time, you realize he's dead from the start. He's already yeah. walking on such a thin line that like this man's just digging his own grave. The, the whole movie. Him getting the, shot was his only way out of like all his gambling debts. Right, because he still owed other people money. He, the guy who comes to the jewelry store saying you gave me a fake Rolex, he still owed him money. He and you still, know, once he won that, if he was still alive and well, we won that one point two million, he would be definitely betting even more. He'd be like, "Okay, well now we're gonna t- bet on KG in the finals, and the Celtics are totally gonna win this 2011 finals that they just made." By the way, that was one intense basketball game. I've never been that invested in a basketball game than that movie. <laughs> okay, I thought you were like going back to your memory from like when you saw it live. <laughs> oh no, not the actual game. I'm talking about in the movie. It was because I, I felt Howard, man. I just felt like how he was yeah. feeling. I, I knew wanted how, him to win. I remember that game. I mean, I had seen that game before, and I knew how it ended. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> I was still nervous, and I was nervous again watching it today. It's and, so intense. I mean, you look at those three guys in that box, and you're like, "Oh, they, there's no outcome where he survives this." He's also, dead. what a crazy bet he made too, betting the tip off like that's that's already a psychopath. Yeah. So when I I am not a huge uh, sports better when I do the Super Bowl every year, you know, everybody does the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's just like doing heads or tails at the Super Bowl. Yeah, but he's betting almost his, basically his life on the line. He's betting one hundred fifty-five thousand dollars on a parlay. If you don't know, yeah, for a parlay. parlay. If you're a listener, you don't know a parlay. You have to win every single bet. So if KG loses the tip, it doesn't matter what happens. That one hundred and fifty thousand dollars is gone. And that scene was, was so well done with Howard like pacing back and forth, like almost talking yeah. to himself. You could just see how much it was like. His gambling addiction was just energizing him up. He was getting so hyped. And I also loved how they cut to um, Arno and the other two, I think his name is Phil, just sitting there, just staring at him, giving him like the death stare almost. Like, what is this? This Watching this guy like freak out over this right. parlay he made. I f- it's, it's him in his happy place because he knows he's got three people there that he can talk to about this and they can't do anything about it. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's me when I'm like at a party and I like get really into like why Mad Max Fury Road's a top 10 movie of all time. <laughs> I'm just like got somebody in the corner and I'm like, all right, George Miller made happy feet and then he made this. <laughs> yeah, they're um, just trapped. I have to listen to his nonsense. That's why I made this podcast so I can just sit here and talk to myself actually. And, um, <laughs> but I mean – and. So you made a really great point uh, after I texted and said Arno uh, is just his brother-in-law at that horribly awkward Passover dinner. And, yeah. and he's sitting they, across do, the table. Yeah, because they do such a good job of like introducing him as this like top guy, bad dude who like has all these boogeymen working for him. Just and a lone like, shark. Yeah, you don't fuck with him. Like He's the top guy. But then you like slowly realize that like one he's part of his family and that he actually cares about Howard and like wants to help him get out of this, and especially at the end like when you see him win he's like oh my god we we did it like we actually won like he's saying we, as in like right. him and Howard, but the other guy was not having it. He was done. Yeah, he was like pumped about it. Yeah, and you can kind of see in his eyes like he he really felt for Howard. Yeah, he saw because I mean he is in his family and he threatened him. I think the worst that would have happened, it's it's a hundred percent Adam Sandler's fault, Howard's fault because oh, yeah. 
he he does it to himself. Off, uh, yeah, and he started talking to uh, Phil, and the other guy's name is Nico, and just pissing him off when he didn't he didn't need to. He needed to be quiet. And yeah, but if needed- it wasn't if it wasn't Phil who shot him, it would have been someone else. You know, someone else would have came and just shot him right in the head. Yes, uh, I mean, yeah, for sure. That's why but, the ending made so much sense because he was going to be—he's a dead man to begin with, right? It, I mean, he was—I think he was a dead man when he when he got in Phil's face at the at the very beginning. He was in his face, like how, like yeah. I love how the the beginning, right after the mining opening scene, how and after the colonoscopy, um, uh, it just goes right into the jewelry shop, and Phil's right there. You see him immediately. They introduce the mm-hmm. antagonist like the second he's in there, and then all from there just builds. Uh, yeah, it feels like uh, what from that mining and then going into the gym and then the psychedelic of, colonoscopy. The colonoscopy might that might be a good like <laughs> that might be a good like metaphor for what a lot of people think of this movie is movie is just people Howard talking out of his ass and um, <laughs> yeah. but I mean it, it's you can it's like this pressure mounting mounting and mounting and for lack of a better term it's like a zit is about to pop and then it pops and he wins the bet and then he gets shot in the head and he gets popped Um, right it and i mean what a weird spot to get shot too it was like in his cheekbone yeah that didn't look very fatal to me it just looks like he's like you know that's just a cheekbone is yeah i feel like he would have like squealed a little bit maybe yeah i don't know squirmed around a little bit and then but i also love how when he died, he had like a nice smile on his face, kind of showing like how he, he died filled with joy almost. He went out on top as far as he knows. Exactly, yeah. Um, but, you know, Phil and Nico by the end, and you could see by the end of it, um, Arno had lost complete control of the situation. He ends up dying too. Yeah. Um, and the movie does leave you with some questions, like what's is Julia Fox going to help Adina Menzel out at all with like she gonna send her any money or she just taking that money and going to hang out with the weekend (laughs) props to to Julia Fox though as an actress this is her first time acting and she destroyed it she did such a good job yeah she was uh, she was uh, a couple times she was a little weird a little stiff but she was good for the most part yeah I I thought she really nailed it and also Phil and um, Nico right the other guy Mm mm-hmm First time acting for them, too. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so, Phil uh, looks like Ivan Drago. He does. I actually I almost thought it was him at first. I could not see it, especially when he's sitting in that jewelry booth thing that they keep him in. I was, I was, and they do the close-ups on his face. I'm like, he's about to kill Apollo Creed. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally thought that, too. Yeah, props to the casting directors on this, because a lot of these side characters are first-time actors. And I read that they even like pulled some people just right off the street of New York City, which is crazy. They also got a fantastic soundtrack. Oh, yeah, the score is incredible. I meant the actual, like, sound, not the score, the soundtrack, like, Type Away with Rich Oh, Hummel right, Han, right, yeah. When the Keith Stanfield pulls up with that. Amen, when he first walks in the club. The weekend. Swimming, they play swimming pools. The morning, which is one of my favorite weekend songs. Um, also, props I mean, they, to the weekend. The weekend is such a, a random role to have in this movie, yeah. but he, he kind of he did his thing. 
so the the budget for this movie because this is a twenty four month it, it couldn't have been that big right nineteen million they got a bunch of like super high level people to be yeah, in this Trinidad James Trinidad James was in this movie yeah With yeah Keith I don't Stanfield. know I'm guessing the Safdie brothers I mean they're from New York they have a lot of New York connections yeah. I'm sure they got people that they they knew through a person Cash through a person. Out was in it. Yeah. The guy who made the Cash It Out song that went huge like right. in 2012, he was the, I think he was the first guy in the store when uh, Howie walks in. Mm. And Lakeith is like, oh, I told you this is my guy. He just blew up. And he was like, and Howie was like, ah, oh, I bet your mother's happy. And I'm like, yeah, all right, Adam Sandler. <laughs> I love how they made The weekend like almost a side character. And I also love that. Howard had no idea who this guy was. He was like, who the well, fuck is The Weeknd? It totally tracked, because in 2012, he, what, that House of Balloons trilogy, like, had just finished, probably. Right. Like, that was probably one of the, like, that was right when he started showing his face, because he didn't always show his face in the beginning. That's true, yeah. And we um, also got to see Adam Sandler beat up The Weeknd, which was amazing. Oh, yeah, that was great. Not beat him that up, was... but throw him to the start floor, a, at least. Start a fight. Yeah. It was hilarious. Um, like, what, if you saw that out of context, just Adam Sandler <laughs> beating up the weekend. What a crazy scene. Um, do you want Kevin Garnett in more movies? Honestly, I thought he did a great job, especially in the scene towards the end um, when it's him and Howard in the office and, and they're talking about The Rock and like his, his playing abilities and stuff. I thought he did a really yeah. great job. Do we turn him into Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Just like being in like Fletch and Airplane. I bet, because Kevin Garnett, I bet, can do some comedy. Well, the thing is, Kevin Garnett played himself in this movie. So but, I that's mean, also very hard to do. I'm not saying that that's like a very easy thing to do, but he's playing himself. We really haven't seen him play like another character. And so Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has been in a ton of stuff and a lot of comedy roles. But they're always as himself. Fletch, he's playing himself. Airplane, he's playing himself pretending not to be himself flying right. this plane. It's one of the funniest things ever when he finally grabs that kid and he's like, listen, kid, Phil doesn't know I do this on the weekends or something. Like, yeah. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. It's, yeah, I, I can see him going as a comedy. He, he was, he's a really intense guy, but like when he was getting, when he, he got some funny lines off in this. Oh, yeah. He was great. Um, I, one of my favorite shots, um, this has, doesn't have to do with his acting ability, but one of my favorite shots is Kevin Garnett in the beginning when he's looking through the rock with the, um, I forget whatever the eyepiece is called, to like look into it, the mind right. glass. And it just like had a, a nice like diagonal shot of like him, the eyepiece, and the rock, and it was just perfectly composed. Oh, yeah, totally did. Um, so with, while we're on performances, Adam Sandler... Obviously, really well, well liked uh, performance in the time, and a lot of people even were like saying Oscar, even though I don't think that was ever really on the table. Um, I think he definitely got snubbed from the Oscars. Really? Yeah. Who won it that year? That it was a very tough year. I think uh, Joaquin was, Phoenix with the Joker. Oh, he won it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not taking that one away from Joaquin. Yeah, it was definitely a very uh, tough spot to get into that year, but I still think he got snubbed. That was a fantastic performance. Um, yeah, I mean, it was so the the thing that just was kind of rough for me in it um, was oh he didn't even get the nom- the nominee 
for Oscar. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, he was fully snubbed. Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory. Mm. Eh, you can you can leave that one, I think. Yeah, take him out. Leonardo DiCaprio, that one stays. Adam Driver, Marriage Story, that one stays. Right. Jonathan Price, The Two Popes, that, I'll leave that one. Antonio mm-hmm. Banderas, I can leave that one off. Yeah, switch him out okay. for Sandler. Um, I remember uh, when the Oscar nominees, or before it came out, I think he said that if the Oscars didn't nominate him, he would just go back to making shitty movies. <laughs> and yeah. Look what's happening. I think he's making a kind, a somewhat serious one now. I don't know if there's going to be a, it's like a, it's called like hoops or something. And it's about him being an agent and discovering a superstar talent overseas, like a, in a, in the vein of a Luka Doncic. And it's not a comedy. Now that I've said it out loud, I kind of think it's going to be a comedy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what he does I'm, and props to him. I, I have total, total respect for what he does. Yeah. Um, who doesn't want to make movies in lo- exotic locations with their friends that yeah. are going to make a ton of money. Yeah, he's he knows exactly what he's doing. He's a genius. Um, but I also love that he delves into these more serious ones every so often because he gives fantastic performances. Yeah, he's he's definitely not a bad actor. The only thing that I think I don't like as much, this is only my second time ever seeing it because um, it, it's one that I was like, okay, I really liked that, but I don't think I'm going to return to it necessarily because it was so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the voice he puts on can kind of bother me sometimes. Well, I think it was very authentic, especially for a New York diamond dealer. Isn't he a... And new, Jewish. Isn't he from New York? He's a. Isn't he a New York Jew? Like, is it that his whole? That was his whole shtick when he was doing stand up, right? Yeah. So well, why didn't he just use his own accent? I don't know. I think they they want to be maybe more authentic, or I don't know. Maybe he's from Brooklyn. Fair. No, I'm saying like the the character itself, not not Adam Sandler. I know, but Brooklyn. I mean, that's pretty authentic. Yeah. I don't know. I think this. I liked his voice. I thought it was fine. Um. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. It just it grates at some points, which I think is part of. You know. The and he's also of, he's yelling a lot throughout it. So maybe they wanted like a different accent for that. Mm, yeah. It's. It can be tough at times. Um. But for the most part, I think it worked. Um. Didn't necessarily work for the Academy, but Adina Menzel, I thought she was great too. She's the wife. good. She had a small She's role, but yeah, she was great. I love how uh, her character, Howard's wife, she knew about like all the antics he was doing from the start. Like we didn't have to see like the drama get drawn out. Like, ooh, what, what's she? What's he doing? Like he, she just knew from the start, which was great. Right. Yeah. Because I think I mean I think it was they were supposed to be in the middle of a divorce and like. They didn't want to tell the kids and all this stuff. And yeah. So she knew. Well, and I think it was also implied that one of the reasons for the divorce was Julia Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, when he says, like, I'll never be with her again. She's out of the apartment and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so the Safdie brothers, do, are they just going to make really anxiety-inducing movies for the rest of their lives? Have you seen Good Time? That's what I was talking about. That movie makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, that's also a very stressful movie. Um, I don't know. I I love the genre they're going into. Yeah, these super stressful, building tension, thriller uh, movies. I think they're really great. Um, I definitely think it will get old and they're going to have to innovate if if they keep doing this 
uh, subgenre, but I love it. I mean, they do a great job. Uh, Benny Safdie, yeah. I read that he is also the sound guy on all these films, and he oh, does. Really? Yeah, he like holds the boom mic on all the films, and um, Josh is kind of the one like um, behind the camera, I guess. Um, but Benny does it, so he's right up next to the actor whenever they're performing because he has to hold the mic right above them. So he gets uh-huh. a really like uh, unique perspective or just a, a closer view of the actor's performance and can give like unique notes that maybe a director s- sitting farther back would not. And Benny's also the actor one. He is, yeah. He does act in a few Nick. And he plays Nick in Good Time. That uh, that Good Time movie is just... Uh, that might be worse than Uncut Gems, like in terms of stressfulness, I think. They're definitely both up there, yeah. They definitely do stress in different ways. Uh, in, to- in totally different ways. And like, th- Good Time like, just kind of makes me feel bad as a whole. What you did know you think? what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's, it's a depressing movie. Especially the ending. Um, uh, but for Uncle Gems, what, what's your opinion on like the sound design and all like the background voices and all that? I think it serves its purpose. Um, whether or not... I, I don't like enjoy it. I don't enjoy things yelling at me. But I get it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's smart. Um... But like I said, I like the movie. It's not one that I'm like, oh, man, I really need to watch some uncut gems right now. Like, Fair I enough. don't, because, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm feeling not, like getting stressed tonight. Yeah, like, it's, you know, I'm not turning on a lot of PTA movies. Like, I'm not turning on There Will Be Blood every other week to feel good, you know. Yeah. It's, I like, I like it. That's, I, I like it, um. I don't. I wouldn't say masterpiece like you would. I think it's very good, and I really do like the Safdie brothers and what they do, and I think they're very good at what they do. Um, and the sound design was fantastic, and it's super impressive stuff. And yeah, I, think, I read that um, for the sound design, they basically just had all the actors once they rolled just like talk and not worry about like how it was going to come out because if you have overlapping sound, that's going to be an issue in editing, obviously. But for this one, they just had them all talk, like just talk in the background, just talk as much as you want. And they just worked around it in post. They just like figured out how to like cut around with all the uh, background voices and just kind of left it in, which is crazy. Right. Well, that's why I have you on here, because you're the one who actually like directs things and does stuff like this. Yeah, because usually when you when you record a movie with sound, you record one person on like a separate mic and one person on another mic. And you can't have anyone else talking because then that sound will come in on the microphone, obviously. But for this one, they just kind of did their own thing. They had mics everywhere, had people talking, overlapping, and just figured it out in post, which is such a bold move to do, but ended up working out great for them. Right. I mean, immensely difficult. And so I I think Benny also edited this too, or helped edit, which is really impressive. One thing that, you know, looking at this movie and having that in mind, I think that that's something that can come off as, like, a mistake, too, you know? Like, oh, this sounds really messy. Right. Because like, like, in, in most movies we see, like, it's not... It's cleaner than that. Yeah. But, like, but like say in, like, a student film or something like that or a super low-budget indie movie, it might not necessarily be like that. It might not sound as clean. 
So when you have all these people talking and the music being really loud over it, it's and it seems like they're competing. It, so I think for some people it seems like messy and stress-inducing, which it's supposed to be, but it's not messy. It's layered to make you feel that way. Yeah, it's all very intentional, which I think is why I love it so much because they right. put so much effort into it. But it's also they put so much effort into it that the audience doesn't even recognize it, which I think is a good thing. Which and also I think that's a reason why like you know filmmakers love this movie, critics love this movie because they can recognize those choices and not saying they're smarter than anybody else. It's just they've watched more than anybody else and they realize, oh, this isn't a mistake. This is on purpose. Like this is supposed, and it's super hard to do like that and make it still come out clean, you know? Yeah. And it's not even just that. Like that's one thing obviously is like the ambition of the filmmaking itself, but I also thought it was a great story. It kept my attention the whole time and I I was sucked in the whole time, which is also very hard to do. Right. Um, I had a, I mean, I didn't have a great time. I kind of had a terrible time. It's a stressful ass movie, but I like it. Um, yeah, but by me saying I get like sucked in, not meaning like I'm in, I'm enjoying it necessarily, but just yeah, that Jacob I'm, I'm along for the ride. Jacob claps when Howie gets shot in the head. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, loved it, man. J- J- Jacob's favorite part of Old Yeller is the end. <laughs> um. All right, so favorite quote, or give me a couple. Oh, dude, there are so many good ones. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's become a meme at this point, but the holy shit, I'm going to come. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if I could get you to say that one in the mic. <laughs> That's well, yeah, hilarious. Man. I didn't want to have to be the one to do it, but I didn't hey, want to Not my, not my words. Safi's right. came up with that one. <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, I just love um, it. Also, in the context, when like his... like. Um, his employees just like yelling at him and being a terrible boss and like not oh, treating yeah. him right. And he's just like staring at this rock that he cut, cut open from a fish. And he's just going, holy shit, I'm going to come. The way he looks at him makes me laugh. Oh yeah. His facial expressions are great. Um, um, so yeah, obviously that quote is amazing. Um, I also love um, when he's, he's in his office. Um, I forget who he's talking to, but he, he's like talking about like, um, a gambling day he's got to pay off or something and he just goes i disagree and he says it like so confidently and like with a, with a smile on his face i thought the acting was amazing during that scene right i like uh a lot of it i was watching it i didn't realize how much of it had exactly become a meme like this is how i win mm-hmm. that's history right there like all right. of it um what do you think about the uh kevin garnett like you paid a hundred thousand for this. You thought it was gonna be a million dollars, but you let some dudes in Ethiopia just take a hundred thousand. Like, I was like, oh shit. Oh, yeah, no, it's I think real. I think that was kind of the whole point of the opening scene too, with the, them showing them actually get the, the the diamond and how rough it is over there, and kind of like showing the exportation of like the African diamond trade over there, and how right. like people are getting injured. Like one of the first shots was seeing that guy's bone just like pop out of his body. Oh man, I hate stuff like that. In movies, I'm a little bit, you know, obviously I'm a little bit better with it. Like, But in, like, real life, when I see, like, an injury, I'm like, I don't want to watch that Gordon yeah. Hayward replay again. So seeing that, I was like, all right, buckle in. This is going to be a rough one. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I thought the opening scene was so well done, just showing, like, the struggle and the how they're not treated right even over there. And then this Jewish rich white dude from New York just buys it and uh, makes millions off of it. Right. 
Well, he doesn't, but well, yeah. Well, he kind of does. I guess he makes ends up making the million because he takes the a bet from a bet from a bet. Paid for, yeah. I don't know. It's, I also think I'm, that since he, if he was being honest, I don't know if he was lying to Kevin Garnett about it actually costing hundred thousand or not. But if it was a hundred thousand, that's what he owed to um, Phil and uh, Arno. So right. he probably took the money that he owed them and bought this Opal. It's it's a whole web of just stuff that I don't think anybody could unpack. <laughs> yeah, which oh. I think is the point. Right. Um, if I ever get that bad in the hole, would you help me out? <laughs> we'll see. Or if I'm pushing it, like, all right, I got, I got a really good feeling about the Chargers this weekend. <laughs> uh, if you lock me in a cage, maybe. <laughs> yeah, make you watch the game. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I like the movie. I'm not going to say I don't. I... It's good. It deserves all the praise, and I think it gets, and it also, you know, deserves some of the hate, I think, too. Because, not because, I wouldn't say deserves, but it, it's understood. And all, and movies are so subjective. That's why I don't like Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's dumb to boil stuff down to ratings like that. You know what? I disagree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> you got any last thoughts you want to get out on this? Um... Oh, I, I also love the line um, when he's having, like, the 20, like, phone calls that are going in his office at once. Oh. His, his doctor's calling him and, like, all that stuff. That and, part drove me up the wall. And this was after Julia Fox and Howard kind of, like, broke up almost. And she was calling. And he was like, tell her no, I'm not here. And then immediately after, he just goes, fuck it. And then answers the call. Yeah. You can just kind of, like, see his, like, betting and, like, gambling mind just going off. And it's like, fuck this. Let's just do it. Oh god, that that part stressed me. To, oh god, no, and another part uh, I actually wanted to highlight, but I completely forgot. You just reminded me. They can't even opening the door for Kevin Garnett can't just be them opening the door. I they gotta get scene. the file and the magnets pieces. Oh Jesus! Just put so many anxiety-inducing situations all at once. It's Ever, I I don't think there's a, a calm scene in that movie. Well, what's funny is the one good scene. Or, yeah, I guess not good in terms of, like, the movie, but good for Howard's character. It's when the doctor mm-hmm. calls and she says that the colonoscopy was cancer, good. Yeah. yeah, it's not cancer. And they, he just brushes it off immediately and just goes back to the other stuff. Like, it, like oh, thank God. Get your watches out for of here. A second. <laughs> yeah, just the one good thing that happens in his life he does, he does not care about. He's just so Gosh. sucked into, like, the, the tension and, and the, the gambling. Yeah, man. Um, oh, wait, I did have two things I, I wanted to say. Um, I'm sure this was kind of obvious, um, but I, it was also kind of my first thought is, was Adam Sandler wearing fake teeth? He was. His teeth aren't actually that bad. Yep. Um, love the teeth, the, though. This is, so, something I really did love was when he is, when Kevin Garnett's staring into it and the glass breaks, you know, staring into the stone and the glass breaks, and Adam Sandler's, oh, you can't lean on the glass, you can't lean on the glass. Um, the Safdie brothers had rigged it with a charge, that a little, just a little charge that was going to go off and break the glass, and none of the actors knew that it was going to break. Oh, wow. I yep. love that. So they were all just just super shocked. Um, I'm sure shooting that, especially in the store, was so chaotic because there was so much happening at once. All right, can you give a can you give a guess on how many times this movie says the word fuck? 
I do know it has a record. It's like in the top ten of the most fucks. What do you um, have? Give me a guess. Give me a ballpark. I'm gonna go four hundred and fifty, around there. That's weak. It's five hundred sixty. Damn, that's impressive. Fourth highest in film history, behind Swearnet, the movie, nine hundred thirty-five uses. <laughs> wow. The movie titled "Fuck," a documentary <laughs> on the word, with eight hundred fifty-seven uses. Then the Wolf of Wall Street, five hundred sixty-nine. Based on the f- film's running time of 135 minutes for Uncut Gems, it's used 4.15 times per minute. Wow. I'm sure because it says so much, just even the background conversations, like you just hear yeah. it's, it's like casually just mentioned. It. It's also New York in the Diamond District, so it's going to be said a lot. Got to be authentic. <sighs> um, uh, also, then, I don't know if you okay. if you caught this, but for the casting, there's two uh, big actors that played very small roles. Um Tilda Swinton was in this movie. Right. She was the uh, auction manager who was on the phone, who we never actually mm-hmm. saw. And then also um, Natasha Leone was in this movie. Um, and she was uh, KG's manager who was on the phone. Very cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, two big actors or actresses that had voice roles, which is pretty cool. Wow. The Safety brothers balling out. All right. Um, uh, what better way to close out the pod than this little last little fun fact we have here? You got anything else before I close it out with this? Uh, no, I mean, I love this movie. It's definitely anxiety-inducing, so know that going into it if you haven't seen it, but uh, definitely check it out. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed is, a strong, is the wrong word, but, you know, I like it. All right, the first shot we see of Howard is inside his colon. The last shot we see is inside his skull. Mmm... All right, and that is Uncut Gems. Thank you for joining me today, Jacob. Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure as always. See you next time. The poll for our next movie will be up Friday night. It's going to be the same three as uh, the same three that lost to Uncut Gems, and then I think we're probably going to throw in uh, either like Moonlight or Eighth Grade, another real popular one before we start getting into the more uh, niche A24 movies. Sweet. All right. Go vote on our Twitter. Yep. All right. See ya.